You're listening to episode 44 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today's episode we chat about dogs, a very popular family pet and increasingly so in recent months. You might be thinking of a puppy or a dog as a new addition to your family but you don't know where to start or perhaps you already have a dog within your family dynamics and you want to ensure that you are living as harmoniously as possible. My chat today with Katie Sarin shed some light on considerations when it comes to choosing a dog suited to your family, as well as the common behaviours that she works with to improve and ensure positive pet relationships. You want to stay tuned to learn about the benefits for children and dogs at various levels as well within the family structure. So let's start the chat with Katie. Katie Sarin is the founder of Hounds in Harmony, a Sydney-based business providing private consultations for behaviour training and natural therapies for dogs. Katie works with a wide range of families with new puppies and dogs to set them up for success, helping dogs with behavioural issues and those working towards public access as assistance dogs. Katie's expertise comes from a comprehensive educational framework, including a Bachelor of Biological Sciences, Master of Applied Science, an Advanced Diploma in Canine Behaviour and Management, and many more courses in Natural Therapies, Human Special Needs and Education. Her formal education is further enriched with over 16 years experience in pet care and training, including over a decade working in the assistance dog field. Before founding Hounds in Harmony in 2018, she was the head trainer with Assistance Dogs Australia, working directly with families with a range of special needs and therapy dogs. She has also presented demonstrations and talks for a wide range of media and audiences, including universities. Katie continuously expands her knowledge, attending seminars and conferences to complement a holistic approach to the well-being of dogs. She is driven to help families find harmony with their dogs becoming the best version of themselves. And of course, she has to have dogs. She's got two gorgeous dogs herself, Zyla, a 12-year-old Labrador, and Jester, a 7-year-old mixed breed rescue. Welcome to Chat About Children, Katie. Thank you so much, Sonia. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited about this episode because you're going to teach me a lot. I am not a dog owner, but I know there are millions of families out there that have dogs as part of their family or they're thinking about introducing you know, a puppy or dog to their family. So I think you have a lot to offer all the listeners out there. So Katie, I'd love to know firstly, what got you into this line of work to start with? It was one of those things that I myself got a dog when I was eight years old as part of the family. And from there, I became hooked on dogs and obsessed and always wanted to work with animals. So it was one of those things that I went on to study biology because I wasn't too sure that I wanted to be a vet, but I knew that I wanted to be hands-on with animals. And from there, while I was studying that, I was also volunteering and doing training with dogs on the side. And when I finished my study, an opportunity opened up. And so I went for it full time and said, I'll give it a go for a year and see what happens. And, you know, over 16 years later, I'm still here and absolutely loving it. Fantastic. And as I mentioned in the introduction of of yourself, Katie, it sounds like you have a little bit of a unique angle on the way that you work with puppies and dogs. And I say that because you're talking about things like natural therapies and that kind of thing. 
Is that your point of difference? What do you do a bit differently? Yes. Yeah, so that's very much that angle that I take in that behavior and training that it's just one piece in a big puzzle. And when you're looking at things holistically from the well-being point of the animal, then that's going to flow on as well to having that ultimate bond and that relationship and connection. So it's really important not to just look at it as one distinct thing, but a combination of it all together. And that really does drive the success in what we're doing as well. Fantastic. So in today's chat, we're going to be really talking to kind of those listeners who may not have a pet, but they're thinking about perhaps getting a puppy or a dog. And we're also going to be talking to those who already have a puppy or dog within their family dynamic already. So how about we start with those that are thinking about getting a puppy, for example, which, you know, and you can tell me more, but often kids and parents like, oh, puppies are so cute and they're so cute and they're so cute. And yeah, we'd love to get a puppy. So there's that emotional thing of it would be so fantastic not to take away from that, but what's the reality of it? Like, what do we need to consider when we kind of go the next step of we're actually going to do it just to help families have a bit of a way to think through this and make sure it's right for them. Help us understand that. Yeah. So there's definitely the, that gorgeous idea and the dream of what it's going to be like to have a puppy join your family and have all the fun things involved. But of course, there's the day-to-day reality of living with a dog and caring for a dog. So something that's really important to think about as a family in taking that step forward is are they prepared for that time investment every day in the general upkeep of the dog and the training, but also that financial aspect as well, because it's not just a a one-off payment. You've got to be looking at caring and supporting for the dog every day and you know bad things can happen that all of a sudden pop up and and so it's one of those things that really you go all right are we ready for this because we're once you dive in you're in and it's happening so the big side of things when you're really thinking okay this is it it's happening we're jumping in is then deciding on what sort of dog to get and that comes with the age so do you want to start from scratch with a puppy Or do you want to look at getting an older dog, which maybe is going to be a little bit more mature and settle in with the family a little bit easier? So, of course, then we've got the size factor. So are you prepared for a small dog or a bigger dog? And with little kids in particular as well, it's important to think, okay, if you've always wanted that big, goofy, you know, Labrador bouncing around, when you've got little young ones, just that sheer excitement of movement could be enough to knock them over accidentally. So size, of course, is that really big factor to think in. But then, of course, we've got the grooming needs of the dog, so the coat type. So when you're thinking, all right, we don't want a lot of fur shedding in the home, so we're going to go for one that's a non-shedder. But then, of course, you've got to factor in that the grooming and the clipping that comes with that as well and whether you do it yourself or you look to get a professional groomer to do it. But even having said that, dogs that don't shed still require regular grooming every day. So what's really important when you're looking at breeds is to think, okay, I like the look of that dog, but do your research because when you're looking at what a dog's been bred for, that's going to give you a really good indication of the temperament of the dog and what to expect from from them in regards to energy levels and also how much you're going to have to put in in a daily daily sort of basis of going, okay, well, is a little walk around the block going to be enough or are we going to be having to do lots of running and playing and all that aspect? So I can't emphasise enough just how important it is to really go, 
all right, let's research the breed. And when we're looking at where we're getting the dog from, you can look at a breeder and definitely chat to your breeders. But when we're looking at rescue, where you're going to get a mixed breed, so like with my rescue boy, he's a mix of a lot of different breeds. You look at, okay, this dog kind of looks like this. So let's research that breed and see what that information is going to bring up and if there's any red flags. And with that research, I mean, we could spend forever talking breeds specifically, but just because a breed says it's going to be like this doesn't necessarily mean that's always going to be the case either. So just definitely keep that in mind. And if we're looking down the breeding side of us, side of things, then we've got different lines as well. So like I touched on before with that size of the Labrador, you've got Labradors that are bred to be detector dogs. So they're quite high drive and high energy. And so that's not the sort of dog that you're going to be looking for to be just a companion in the family. So really important to do your research there along that line. There, there is so much to research. I'm listening to you in slight overwhelm just going, "Mm, I'm leaning towards not getting a dog. But anyway, but the other thing that I was actually thinking, no, quite seriously, with all of those factors and those variables that you've got to consider, my mind's obviously going, there's got to be somewhere online or an app or something, someone's surely put something together where you can tick box kind of, you know, your family dynamics or what you're looking for or, you know, some kind of questionnaire that will help you narrow it down if you have no idea that will make some suggestions. Does that exist? It does. So there's lots of different online questionnaires that you can fill out. But of course, one way that works really well is to go down even to your local obedience club. And then you can see different breeds and see them working and talk to the owners. There's also breed shows that you can go along to and have a chat to the breeders as well because you really want to get that interaction. It's one thing to be researching on screen and on a computer. It's another thing to get up close and personal with the dogs as well. So there's lots of different options and that's something that we can put some different links in as well. But it really just does come down to it shouldn't be a scary thing either you know I've just thrown a lot of information at you but it's one of those things just to be mindful of that you know if you're looking for a dog that's in suburbia then getting a working breed line that's used to working out on the farm all day is probably not going to be the best match and ultimately you want to be living in harmony with this dog and give them what they need so it's sort of just jotting those things down and being aware yes that's that will fit with it in with our family or Maybe that's something to really think about. And of course, you know, there's the other aspect where if people grew up with a particular breed, they've sort of got that connection emotionally with them is don't just hold on to that one idea of that gorgeous dog that you had growing up, still do that research. Yes. And I think that valuable point of actually taking the research off the screen, just go out there, meet owners, meet the dogs, see how, what it looks like in reality and get more info that way. Yes, makes sense. Fantastic. What do you think are the biggest challenges that families experience kind of in those early days that they might, let's say, get a puppy? And I don't know how different it is, Katie, if obviously puppies would need training versus if they were to get a more mature dog. What would be the more challenging aspects families face if they're looking at getting a puppy and then looking at getting a dog in those early stages? 
Yeah, so that's a really good question you put there, Sonia, because the reality of, of bringing in a puppy versus an older dog is definitely the workload that comes with it. So one of the benefits of getting an older dog is when you go to meet them, you've sort of got an idea of, of who they are within themselves and that's sort of what you're going to be having join your family. And you can definitely check, for instance, if you're going down the rescue side of things, of has this dog had experience with children before? So you can sort of already tick that off as a plus and a win. Whereas when we've got puppies, you're sort of, you've got that blank slate and it's an opportunity for that puppy to grow with you as a family. But with that, you've really got to invest a lot of time in the training aspect. So with puppies, you've got things like toileting that you've got to teach them where to actually go. You've got little puppy mouths with sharp teeth. So they love to chew everything and that includes little kids' fingers as well. So there's teaching them that side of things of not mouthing or being destructive with things that you don't want them to be destructive with. So it's that really you're sort of balancing out. Are you prepared to put that extra time in that comes with a puppy or do you want to look at an older dog? And of course, you know, there's going to be settling in that happens with an older dog, but it may not require just as much work mm -hmm. and on the other side of that as well particularly with the rescue element there's a lot of teenage dogs that are out there adolescent stage and that brings its own set of, of challenges and support and adolescence is a lot of fun definitely but it's just another life stage to be supporting them and working through with them so yeah it's I think that in a nutshell based on your question the big thing is going okay we're jumping in with this are we ready to throw time and attention in every single day yes yes that's right and just thinking about training school like a few people I know that have puppies have gone to like puppy training school and they tend to do that in the you know in the early times of having a puppy if you were to get a more mature dog bring a more mature dog into the family would you still recommend that you go to training school so we're in any form doesn't matter how old the dog is training is going to be so important and that can be in the form of actually going along to a school or working with a trainer or working one-to-one -one. so I know with my focus what I do with my clients is that one-to-one -one personalized approach and we'll get out there and we'll do training out in the street around distractions as well as focusing in on behaviors in the home so the big thing with training regardless is that time and that bond to connect with your dog and set them up for success. So if you're getting an older dog, you may have certain behaviours that you're going to spend your time really concentrating in on. And so, for instance, that dog may be a little bit jumpy to start with because they're excited, new family, that sort of thing. And, of course, that's one element of having kids in the home is kids are a lot of fun. You know, they run around, they make lots of noise and that's really exciting for dogs. So it's just making sure that you've got that nice dynamic in play where dogs aren't accidentally bumping the kids over and they're nice and settled in the home. Yes. So when would someone like yourself come into the picture? So if someone gets a puppy, for example, would you be coming into the picture pretty much straight after they've got the puppy or is it a period of time until like how does it work from your perspective in terms so, of coming in yeah so as far as 
when I'm approached, it can be at any age when there's flags that are coming up where it would be really good to help get dog on the right track and also have the family feeling confident themselves in supporting the dog with whatever it may be that comes their way. But I also work with families even before they get a puppy so or a dog and go through, like you, like you said before, wow, there's so much to think about. I can help through go through that process. But also then, you know, I've gone in 24 hours after someone's gotten a puppy because they've gone, wow, there's so much that this puppy is doing and I'm not sure if what I'm doing is the, the right way to support this little one. And so we'll go through all of those sorts of behaviours to really set them up for success and teach them those life skills. So as far as training goes and getting support, it starts straight away. Because essentially, once you've got that dog entering your family, you want to teach them how your family operates and how you'd like them to interact with you as well. So it never hurts to start right from the beginning. On the other side, you've then also got older dogs. So I've even gone in and worked with 14-year-old dogs that are starting to show behavior changes. Wow. Okay. So there's, pro- there's probably no like straightforward answer to this one, but uh, there could be. Are there a few like general principles that you suggest to any owner, whether they're getting a puppy or an older dog, but a few like general principles that you say, you know what, these are the few core things that you want to do as a puppy or a dog owner. Is there something like really general that should be applied? Look, I think there's a big thing that people in general take the good behavior for granted. And so it's, and this is probably very similar with children as well, in the sense that if you see behavior you like, let the dog know that that's behavior that you want. So it's very much about that communication to say, all right, you're doing a great job and please keep doing it. So it's worth their while to behave this way. And then on the opposite side of that, if they're doing behavior that they don't want, Something that is such a quick response is sort of to come in with that, you know, ah, no behavior. But if you think if you've got a little puppy exploring their world or a new dog coming in and checking everything out and all they're doing is hearing, ah, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that, we're better off switching that energy around and teaching them what we do want them to do. So rather than this, no, don't do this, don't do this, redirect them away from what you don't want them to do and then start to praise them and teach them what you do want. I think that's the big thing is just that constant feedback to say, yep, keep doing this. You're doing a great job. Yep. And kind of matching and you're right. It's just, I guess, general behavior management principles, but making, matching your feedback, making it specific, but making sure your timing is right. So you give the feedback appropriate to what is happening at the time so they can match that up and make the right association. That's exactly right. Timing is key and patience is key as well. So it's that thing that if you're seeing something in the moment, yep, get onto it straight away that you like that behavior, reward it. Yes. Okay. So that's a good general tip. Any other general one that you can share with us? So I think it's very much about uh, setting the dog up for success. So like you'd have with your little baby, a lot of puppy proofing, to keep the little ones safe is really important. So baby gates are actually a really good tool when it comes to dog training and incorporating the dog into the home. When you've got little one that you're trying to teach toilet training to, crate training is such a valuable tool to use. But not only that, when you're introducing the crate and making it a positive, it's also a great way to teach kids when the dog needs a break. 
Mm. So that becomes the dog's bedroom. And if the dog needs that time out and they go in there to just, you know, typical family chaos and the fun that comes with you every day, the dog can sort of tap out and say, you know what, I'm going to have a break. And then the kids can understand, okay, I'll let Maxie have that sleep that he needs because sleep is so important as well. So definitely management is a fantastic thing to set up right from the beginning with the baby gates and or with pens and just don't give everything all at once because then it becomes a bit of a wonderland where the dog sort of bounces around everything like a pinball machine. Yeah. So it's that slow and controlled and calm environment that you're wanting to create and set up. Yes. Sounds great. What would you say would be the most common behavior issue that you work with? So aside from the life skills sides of things with puppies, in which case it's very much about preventing behavior issues cropping up and working on the typical puppy things like, again, your toileting, your teething and chewing. But in-home behaviors that I'll get called in to work on, things like barking or destructive behavior, so digging and chewing things up in the yard, separation anxiety is another one. So there's lots of different behaviors that just in the home we can work on and create sort of that equilibrium and that balance where you've got a harmony and that's that big emphasis of working together as a team. So that's the inside behaviors. So with outside behaviors, which bring a whole different range to where that I get called in to help people with is going for a walk and having the dog not pull them down the street. So lead walking on a loose lead is a big skill that dogs need to be taught. It's not a natural behavior for them. And then following on from that, we've also got dogs that will be quite reactive on the street. So they may be pulling or barking out at other dogs or people. And of course, if you've got that combination going on, people aren't going to enjoy taking their dog for a walk as much. So we work on making that an enjoyable and calming experience, which then if we've got that working really well, that flows back into home behaviors as well. So again, it's sort of that many pieces of a big puzzle that work together all around. Fantastic. There is a lot to consider and think about, isn't there? But from what you're saying, yes, it kind of has that flow on effect. And one of the things that obviously you're quite passionate about and all families are passionate about is the well-being of their family, including their pet, their puppy or their dog. What are the ways that, easy ways that families can make sure that they're maintaining or looking out for that optimal well-being for their puppy or dog? Yes. So another fantastic point to really hit, hit in on. When you've got the well-being at the forefront of your mind, then you're setting yourself up for success straight away. And the big thing is dogs are social creatures. They want to be a part of the family. And so by being in a better position to understand how they're feeling and interacting appropriately with them, you're then going to start to tick off those well-being boxes. And so obviously having, having kids with dogs, it's really important to be mindful of supervision. And with that supervision, it's not just being in the room together, but it's also understanding and reading the body language of the dog to know those more subtle signs of thinking, okay, well, this dog's not so comfortable and what can I do to help make that more positive? And on the flip side there, in creating that, that connection and having your kids interact in a way that's going to be enjoyable for both them and for the dog, it's teaching them you know, not to put their face in the dog's face. 
And one thing that can be a surprise for people is dogs don't actually naturally love to be hugged. And of course, that's a very quick thing that we like to go to, to share affection. And so it's teaching kids how to meet the dog halfway and give them what's going to be enjoyable from both sides and also prepare the dog that, you know, there's going to be times where there's a lot going on in a household and for them to be well-mannered because then their well-being is going to be met in that sense in that they're living harmoniously again. And we keep coming back to that of how important it is just to gel well as a family. And so again, that's where the training is really beneficial because you're teaching the dog to be a member of your family and and an enjoyable member of your family rather than one that causes stress. So in part of that, and again, that whole holistic approach, if you then bring in a nutritious diet, that's really going to influence behavior. So I'm a big believer in fresh food feeding. What you put in is what you get out. And so you're meeting the dog's needs on that front. And also giving them plenty of enrichment. So that's mental enrichment of training, but also getting out, exploring the world and play. Play is such a beautiful thing to get to do with the dog and as part of the family as well as an activity. So that whole all-round element, we're going, okay, I've met the dog's needs on this front and this front. And in return, they're also then bringing such a beautiful aspect into the family home as well. So Another thing that I'll highlight, again, because there's just so, so much involved with it, is having your dog prepared for health checks. So when they go to the vet, that it's not a stressful thing for them to be handled. And in doing that, it makes your own daily care for them much easier as well, because it's not going to be a crash tackle sort of thing to clean an ear. It's something that's going to be a nice game to do and making that, that sort of pamper element of the activity. Yes. So dogs need regular health checks besides like the times that they might need other stuff. I'm so vague because I'm like, do they get immunizations for stuff? I'm thinking kids here. But, you know, with kids you have things that are scheduled that they must do and then obviously in between all that, if something comes up, you go see the doctor. What's it like for puppies and dogs? Yeah, so there's definitely going to be a benefit in doing regular health checks and going along to the vet so that you know that, you know, rather than being reactive, you're being proactive in their health and knowing where their body is sitting at that particular time. Of course, as you're getting an older dog, you're going to need potentially more checks and things that crop up. But, you know, accidents happen and dogs get sick. And so there'll be your incidentals where you've got to go along to the vet. But a part of just your everyday living with a dog is going to be your regular health checks you do yourself. And so that's part of that process of teaching them how to handle and and be comfortable with the vet coming in and opening up their lips and having a look at their gum line and all those sorts of things. Yes. So what's regular when you talk about regular health checks? What is that? Every six months, every few months, it's individual. How do you know? So for puppies, there's going to be a few regular ones to begin with, just general health checkovers and vaccinations if they are needed and then you won't need to do anything again unless things pop up and then basically you'll be looking at yearly health checks to be done because you want to be coming in and be proactive in that side of things and then when your dog gets to that sort of senior age from seven onwards then they tend to recommend 
every six months to go in and do a health check just again to stay on top of things with a blood test and just a general once over as well with your vet fantastic i myself with my dogs now take them every six months to get their general check over and know that everything's going well yes because they're seven and twelve that's right so can i ask a question and this is it's probably a topic in itself so we won't go too much into it but as a speech pathologist and working with kids that have various additional support needs there are families that do have therapy dogs or who have visited you know assistance dogs places can you tell us just a little bit about that for anyone listening out there that may not be aware of assistance dogs or therapy dogs and what all of that is about give us just a little bit of a summary yeah so basically the whole world of animal assisted therapy now and intervention is becoming quite popular because the science is showing just how much of a benefit dogs can have as a tool in that therapeutic sense so even with your own dog you can be looking to train and help with things like reading you know sort of that communication side of clarity and speech but also the motor skills, so interacting with the dog. And when you're then working with professionals and any professionals out there that are interested themselves, using that dog again as a tool in different activities is amazing as to what you can use the dog for. So from everything from drawing a picture of the dog to using the dog in that sort of non-judgmental space and for the child to feel comfortable in doing activities that are the goal of that therapy as, as a whole. So Animal Assisted Intervention International, say that three times fast, yes. is a great platform to look into and to get some more information. And you've got everything from, again, speech pathologists to occupational therapists utilising these dogs as a tool in that sense. So it's really wonderful area and worth looking into. What do you think is the essence of it that makes it work so well? Because I've heard a lot of success stories. Is there kind of one key essence that you kind of go, it works so well because... So I think the, the beautiful aspect of dogs in general is the calming influence that they can have. And just, again, being around them reduces that stress level and increases that, that serotonin. So having that as your, your baseline creates a much more nurturing environment to support that learning and, and encourage and bring out that non-judgmental aspect as well with dogs. So, I mean, I myself, obviously, I'm, I'm a big dog lover. And anything that I can do that involves the dogs is something that brings a lot of joy to me. And so if a child naturally is drawn to animals and is keen to interact, then it's sort of that sign to say, yes, this could work really well. And on the other side, you know, you've got some children who aren't naturally drawn to animals and that's okay. So it might not be a therapy that's worth exploring for them. But it's definitely as a whole, if you're an animal lover and your child is drawn to it, to look into Fantastic. And I think from what you're describing and from what I've heard from others, it's very much a reciprocal kind of dynamic. You know, both the dog and the child find it such a rewarding kind of relationship and interaction to be in. So I certainly think, as you mentioned, and did you mention a particular website or association that people can look at if they're wanting to learn more about that? Yeah, so that was Animal Assisted Intervention International. So that's international body that has organisations come under its umbrella. 
locally as well we've got assistance dogs australia and they offer different things with occupational therapists and doing activities that way but the big thing is just start to to do some research and explore down that that avenue fantastic katie you've shared so much wonderful knowledge and wisdom and you obviously are doing great things out there to bring harmony into families who have dogs within their family dynamic are there any kind of take home messages that you'd like to send out to the people that are perhaps considering a puppy or a dog? So I think the key message to take home is never underestimate the importance of training. And bottom line is to boost that interaction and that connection. Uh, Having a strong bond with your dog opens you up to achieve so much together and it's a beautiful thing to get to enjoy and and obviously for me I'm here doing what I'm doing because of the dog that joined our family when I was eight years old so it's such a gorgeous thing to be able to bring into the family dynamic. Wonderful and any messages to those who already have dogs within their family what do you want to say to those listeners? So I think the big thing is obviously enjoy having that gorgeous family member that you've got with you, but also you don't know what you don't know. And so it training again, it keeps coming back to that, but also understanding the communication side so that you can really work together as a team is really important. Fantastic. Katie, are there any good websites or online resources that you recommend people go to? And that's really important. I think reliable information is something that people want to make sure that they're getting info from a reliable source. Is there anything that you would recommend to our listeners? So as far as looking to learn more, if you're thinking about getting a dog, then definitely it's worth looking at Dogs Online and Dogs New South Wales so that you can get a little bit more information about the breed and also registered and reputable breeders that are out there. As far as learning more in general about your dog, then Typing in your search engine things for positive-based training is a good place to start. Of course, the internet, you know, there's so much information that's out there and some aspects you're going to want to steer away from. But as long as it's coming from the premise that you're rewarding and working well with your dog together, that's a good place to start. So, and there's great blog articles that are out there online. Of course, I've got articles that I put up on my website. So it's all about just continuing to learn and expand. Fantastic. And your website is houndsinharmony.com.au, Katie, is that correct? That's correct. Fantastic. Katie, thank you so, so much for joining in the chat about children today. Thank you, Sonia. It's an absolute pleasure. A very enjoyable and insightful chat there with Katie, whose level of expertise definitely allows her to work so holistically and successfully with so many families who have dogs as a valued family member. I would be very grateful for you sharing this episode with family, friends and colleagues. And also remember to pop on over to the chataboutchildren.com website and check out the show notes. And also remember to subscribe to our newsletter, Keep Up With The Chatter. Thank you so much for your attention today. I celebrate you and look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Vestalich, www.chataboutchildren.com. Chat about